There's a tendency to see mental health issues through a different lens than physical health issues. Whether it's depression, anxiety, PTSD, or other neurodevelopmental disorders like ADHD, mental health challenges are often hidden from even close friends and family members. Because of the stigma around them, and the fact that they often manifest with no outwardly visible signs, they're often not addressed until a breaking point with severe and potentially dangerous consequences. This week, I'm talking with Erica Taylor Beck, the Vice President of Client Support at Relias. Her own personal journey dealing with mental illness inspired her to advocate for others and lead with authenticity and vulnerability. This week on Next Thing Q, we discuss the fear and stigma around discussing mental health issues, why she decided to discuss this publicly, the specific challenges in contact centers, tips for identifying vulnerable employees, and ways to foster connection and trust in a remote work environment. Let's get to it. Welcome to Next in Q, the podcast for contact center and customer experience professionals. Next in Q is brought to you by Happy To, your service team's personal coach, giving them the process, resources, and insights to deliver the perfect customer experience over the phone. Learn more at HAPPITU.com. Now, here's your host, Rob Dwyer. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Next in Q. Today, joining me is Erica. Erica, how are you today? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me today. So, uh, Erica, before we get started, uh, we're going to talk about mental health, and I kind of want to know more about you in this episode, Uh, but are you an extrovert? No, not at all. (laughs) And I think maybe that's (laughs) why just before we got started, you were like, ah, I'm kind of nervous about this. It's Okay. Uh, it's just you and I having a conversation, so yes. no big deal. Uh, you know, tell us kind of a little bit about yourself before we get into the topic and kind of um, how you got to where you are today. Sure. Uh, like professionally, like how I got to where I'm at at my job. Sure. So I, uh, I grew up in Pennsylvania and then I moved to North Carolina in 2007 and started, you know, getting jobs and whatnot. Um, I did a lot of training roles. I did a lot of uh, kind of account management type things. And ultimately, I ended up here at Relias, where I've been since uh, 2013. And I started as an individual contributor within our client care team. And I moved into a training role and then a manager, a director. And now I'm in a VP role of our customer support and QA team. So it's pretty Ex- much the, the high level journey. Yeah, exciting stuff. So Uh, Today's topic is mental health, and I think mental health, particularly in a call center, but actually, I'm going to take that back. I think mental health in general 
is one of those issues that most people are very reluctant to talk about, particularly in public. Uh, and one of the reasons that you and I connected is that uh, you talk about it a lot on LinkedIn, which is very public. Uh, what what led to that decision to kind of take that public? That's a great question. Um, you know, when I first started getting back into LinkedIn this year, I've been on it for years, never really used it and started to post more this year you know, I really wanted to be authentic in what I was putting out there. And I, I have mental illness. I have um, PMDD, I have MDD, I have social anxiety. And those things are things that have impacted kind of my life. It's one of the reasons actually why I moved to North Carolina to begin with. Um, and it's something that so many people are dealing with, but nobody wants to talk about because of the stigma. You know, if I talk about it, will people think that I'm not competent? Will they think that I'm unstable? Will they think that I'm crazy? You know, and there's just so much stigma around it that, like you mentioned, it's people are not comfortable talking about it. They're not necessarily comfortable hearing it, but it impacts so many people that I wanted to be honest about my story because I am a VP, which, you know, I worked very hard to get to where I'm at in spite of, you know, or because of my mental health. Like it's something that I've had to overcome to get here and it's, it's doable. You know, I don't want people to think just because you have depression or anxiety or something else that, you know, this is where you are is the best that it will be. You can, you can work through that and still succeed and be successful in life. Yeah. I think a lot of people have uh, those kind of internal conversations with themselves that are sometimes self-defeating and if you are struggling with your mental health, that can only exacerbate that, right? Oh, yes. And, and so being able to recognize that other people, successful people, are dealing with some of the same struggles can help you recognize that, hey, this, this doesn't have to limit where I'm going. Right. Absolutely. I think that's something that would have been helpful for me. Uh, in my past to know that other people were experiencing this, you know, people who were uh, more senior than I am in, in my role, it would have been great to know that, you know, I wasn't an outlier. And so that's one of the reasons why it's, it's very uncomfortable, but I do put it out there on LinkedIn because I want people to know that, you know, it's not just folks who are in frontline positions or entry-level positions. It's something that impacts your CEOs and, and whatnot. So just trying to be very honest and real about that is, no matter what your title is, you're still a human. And we are all dealing with something that, you know, we probably don't talk about openly. So I just happen to talk more openly about mine. Yeah. I'm curious what you feel like the reaction has been on LinkedIn. You know, it's, it's been a little mixed. So I get a lot of really positive feedback from folks on LinkedIn, which has been fantastic. People I know, people I don't know. So that's really encouraging because a lot of them, you know, are saying, thank you for putting that out there, or I've been in a sim similar situation, or my child is in that type of situation. So this makes me feel positive about, you know, their potential and progress and, you know, helps me to know how to help them. Um, so that's been really encouraging, but people that I know in, in real life, you know, who see that and they're like, wow, I didn't know that about you. I don't know that I would have felt comfortable putting that out there. And so there's that like inner voice of like, should I not have put that out there? Like, is that, is that too much? Did I, you know, did I overshare? So there's, um, 
you know, I think it's still positive overall, but there's folks who are just dealing with their own internal struggles of, you know, sharing their own things that they don't feel comfortable about. So, uh, you know, they're just more saying, I don't know that I would be comfortable doing it, but it doesn't necessarily mean you should stop doing it. It's just, wow, that's something I wasn't expecting. And a lot of folks will say that it's pretty courageous to do, but you know, it's, it's just real. Yeah, I, I think it is both real and it's courageous, again, because a lot of people, there's that stigma out there, and a lot of people just don't feel comfortable discussing that topic, right. and I don't think they will feel comfortable until there's a critical mass of people who are willing to have those open and honest conversations, and so I, I for one, applaud you for being one of those people to help get the ball rolling, because I feel like it's an important topic that we just don't spend enough time on and um, myself included in that. Um, so let's talk about this in a, in a team dynamic. Sure. Like what are, I mean, why is it important to pay attention to the mental health of others on your team or uh, people within your organization? Sure. I mean, I, you know, there's always the, the business uh, benefits, you know, if people are happy if they're, you know, performing at their optimal level, it's, it's great for the business, but really the, the main priority for me is just being, being a decent human people, if they're struggling with something or having challenges just to care about them. And, you know, why are, you know, are you maybe a little quieter than normal or are you a little bit more erratic than usual or not showing up to work on time. You know, it's never been an issue before. And so just asking those questions and having that dialogue, it helps to build rapport. It helps to build trust. You know, my sharing, my story helps folks to feel more comfortable sharing theirs. You know, I have, I have folks who are going through different things in their lives, whether they've, you know, lost a pregnancy or if they're going through a divorce, if they're just, you know, whatever it might be, just regular depression and just going through a, a funk, you know, at that point, they feel like they can share that with, with me or with their manager to be able to, to be honest about where they're at, which just, you know, opens the lines of communication. And so you don't have to worry. This isn't really a performance issue. This is more of a mental health issue. And if we can help you find the right resources or just support you, take a day off, you know, if you need to take a half day or just talk about it, you know, you can get back on track. So it's, you know, just the, the human benefit is just caring about other people enough to want to, you know, see them as a, a real human and not just a, an employee or just a number. But obviously by focusing on them as a whole person that does benefit the company, because then there's a stronger team dynamic, there's more communication, which leads to, you know, higher production. And, you know, there's a lot that comes with it, but, you know, the core of it is just be a decent person. Yeah. I'm curious. Uh, because I've I've struggled with this in the past, but how do you balance being, you know, a friend when someone needs a friend and a sounding board, and being someone's direct supervisor, and having you know certain things that uh, maybe are either out of your control or or. Um, maybe a, a different kind of conversation than you would typically have with someone? That's a good question. Uh, I, I have a pretty good relationship with the folks who report to me. So I feel like we can talk pretty openly about things. Uh, 
I always try to set the the precedent though that I, I am your manager first. You know, at the end of the day, my main responsibility is to move the company forward. And so while I would do whatever I can to, you know, focus on you as a person and try to help you and be supportive, if it starts to impact work too much for too long, we do have to have that hard conversation about what do we do from here. But until that point, you know, let's talk through it. You know, if you're going through a rough patch, I'm happy to, to hear you out for a little bit within reason. I'm not a therapist. I can't help you with things. So there's certain things, you know, you probably don't feel comfortable sharing and I probably wouldn't know what to do with if you shared too much, but to an extent, you know, let's talk about it. And then I'll suggest resources. You know, we have um, different resources through work that we can use, which is fantastic. So, you know, try to be there and, and have that boundary knowing that, you know, okay, if you are a little late here and there, I can overlook that because ultimately you're still performing well, but if your performance starts to drop, you start to be unreliable and then you start kind of dropping off in communication and I don't really know what's going on. And, you know, I have to, as, as the VP, I have to take action to, you know, put you on a performance plan or, a, you know, a written warning type thing, because I have to be a steward of the business, you know, at the end of the day. So. Yeah, I think that is that challenge, uh, challenging balancing act. And I think you uh, put it in really great terms and that you have to be a steward of the business while still caring about your people as well. But ultimately, right, the business is what helps all of us. As long as it's right. successful, we're able to have jobs and earn a living. Absolutely. So it's important that we um, keep that high level view of what our ultimate responsibility is, which is both to the people and to the company that we work for. Absolutely. Yeah. It can be a hard balance sometimes, you know, cause you do, if you really do care about your employees, it's, it's hard to see them struggling and then knowing, you know, that you have to take corrective action if it's been on for too long. It's, it's never a fun moment to have to let somebody go, but especially if they have been going through something, you know, personally for a really long time, you know, so it's, it's a tough balance, but it's, you know, it needs to be done. Like you said, to be successful, because if I get fired, then, you know, you might get a new boss who's not going to be open to this and, right. you know, everybody's in a, in a bind. So let's talk about the contact center specifically. Do you think mental health is a bigger challenge in contact centers than it is in other lines of work? You know, I don't know if it's bigger necessarily, but I do think it's it's a, definitely a factor that we have to think about. You know, we do have higher turnover, uh, whether it's positive or negative, you know, it's still turnover. You still are bringing on new people. So there's constantly a new struggle to get the team to mesh and, and know each other well, because you've got new people constantly coming in. And then the culture shifts a little bit because it depends on what the people, you know, on your team like at that moment. So we might nail it right now, but then in, you know, five months, we've got a bunch of new folks. What we're doing now doesn't work anymore. So we are constantly, you know, trying to figure that out. Um, you know, it is typically considered entry level. You are on the receiving end of, you know, the, the public, people who have questions and complaints. They never call to say, thank you for just being there. Like, I love your product. You're fantastic. It's, you know, they have an issue. They've got a frustration. They you know, how to, whatever it might be. So you're constantly dealing with these things, you know, where it's just, no one's ever saying super positive things to you. So I think that can take a toll on folks, especially, you know, during certain periods of so holidays, end of year, that's kind of a busy time for us. 
you know, so we see higher volume. And so then it's a little bit more stressful and it's more negativity and, and people are stressed because it's the holidays. And so it just kind of adds to, it adds to all of it. So I think that it's a, definitely a challenge. People want to get in there, get their foot in the door to be able to move on to something different. You know, a lot of folks don't come into a call center environment to be there forever. It's not usually a, a lifelong career path for, for most folks and that's okay. But if they are struggling to get out of the role after, you know, a year or two, then it starts to be a challenge to keep them engaged and morale high because they, they're feeling burned out. You know, it does have a, a high risk of burnout. So it's something that, again, I don't know if it's higher than others because, you know, I think every role has its challenge, but we definitely have some key things that can lead to mental health struggles. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think you hit on some other things too, right? The uh, as we record this today, right, we are, we're going into kind of fall, winter. Uh, if you don't live uh, close to the equator, the, uh, the sky's getting darker earlier and that has an impact on people. And as the holidays approach, uh, that can have an impact on people for a lot of different reasons, right? I mean, mm -hmm. uh, large gatherings of family sometimes can be stressful, um, just uh, the holidays in general and uh, making sure that you're caring for everything that you think you need to care for can be stressful. For some people, it can um, be a financial strain. Absolutely. So there's just a lot of things going on at this time of year. And then, right, as a, as someone, if if you're taking phone calls as an agent, you're dealing with person after person after person on the phone who may be experiencing some of those exact same challenges and stressors. Right. And uh, that can, that can weigh on a person for sure. Absolutely. Cause if you come into work and you're having a rough day, you know, you can't separate work from home. I know people always say that like leave work at work and home at home. You can't, you're a person, you're going to carry that with you. You try to compartmentalize, but it's, it's there. And so for some roles you can, you know, I'm in a rough mood. I'm just going to go into my office or put my headphones on and just pound out some work and lay low today because I'm not really feeling social. And that's fine. But for a support consultant, you know, or a rep, an agent, you can't just put your head down and, and ignore everybody around you. You have to talk to people. You have to be upbeat. So if you are having some really hard challenges in your personal life or just mental health wise, and you have to come to work and be upbeat and positive and supportive for clients and you know, they're not necessarily super happy today. It, it does take a toll on folks and we'll see folks, you know, need more breaks throughout the day, you know, or just need to recover. You know, I need five minutes, just recuperate after that, that last call, just need to get my head back in a good space. And it does, it's, it's challenging to just stay on all day, you know, for a full eight hour shift when you're not feeling on. Yeah. So let's talk about from a, a leadership perspective. What are some things that I should look for in my team, whether that's a, a team of support reps, uh, maybe I manage a team of, of team leaders, uh, I'm a manager, uh, what things should I keep an eye out for to help me recognize, you know what, Erica might be struggling today, or maybe maybe I need to have a conversation with this person over here because I feel like something's off. Right. So this is where it's a little challenging because there's not this black and white solution of like, look for these five key things and you'll, you'll identify them. Some folks 
I am a very high functioning depressive. So when I'm in a bad place, I still can come to work and smile and get my job done. And you probably can't tell that I'm going through a rough patch. Uh, and so that's, sometimes it's a good thing. Sometimes it's not a good thing, but some folks may be able to keep up, you know, the mask and come to work and still get things done. And you won't know unless you know. Um, other folks, they might start to be kind of opposite of what they are. So if they're normally someone who's very on time and they never miss a deadline and they're very, you know, detail oriented, you might start noticing that they're slipping a little bit. So maybe they're not catching some details that they normally would have caught or they're coming a little bit late to work or they just seem distracted in meetings. And so, you know, that things like that, where it's like, ah, they're not quite themselves. They don't seem like they're bad, but they're just kind of like a little off. And so it's, it's hard to know sometimes, but if they are not acting like their normal selves, usually it's worth a conversation. Like just, you know, Hey, I'm noticing you seem a little quiet or notice that, you know, this you came to work late this week, every day this week, is everything okay? You know, so instead of going in, you know, guns a blazing and, and yelling at everyone, it's like, why are you late today? I just, I noticed this about you. Are you, are you doing all right? And again, it might just be something that you just talk about, you know, how, how are you doing? How are things going? How are things outside of work? How are you feeling? You know, typically for my one-on-ones, the first thing I ask them about is just, how are you doing? Like, how's life? What's going on? And they'll tell me about, you know, their spouses or their kids or just whatever they're doing for the weekend. And then we'll go into work stuff, but sometimes they'll tell you like, yeah, it was just a rough weekend. Like we were dealing with this and this, this, you know, it was just, it was a troubling weekend. Don't feel very rested coming into Monday, but you know, here's what's going on. So it, honestly, it's, it's hard to pinpoint, which I know is like the worst advice ever. Uh, oh. Like you, there's not really a, a telltale sign, but typically it's just having that relationship to be able to ask and, and notice if things are a little off or if just, just how are things going in general? And maybe they'll tell you, look, I'm in a really bad place. And you might, I had no idea, but you know, they felt safe enough to be able to say that to you. So that's, that's important. Yeah. Have you found, I mean, you mentioned yourself that you're, you're high functioning and you probably don't show any outward signs when you're having a struggle at work. Have you found that sharing your struggles with the people around you on your team makes them more open to then share with you when, when maybe things aren't going great? Yes. Yeah. So I, for, for me, it's, if you know me well, you might pick up on some things. I get a little bit more distracted, a little bit quieter, I tend to stand back more and observe when I'm not in a great headspace, just because I'm usually processing. So I, tend to take a step back and just kind of live in my head for a little bit. So there are little telltale signs that you might notice if you know me well, but if you don't, you know, look very normal. Um, but I do feel like when I will tell them like, Hey guys, I'm having a bit of a, a funk or this happened this past week. And you know, this is why I'm just feeling a little bit off today, or I'm taking a mental health day because of these reasons. Uh, they usually will feel comfortable sharing that as well. And sometimes we'll, we have a team's chat and I might say like, Hey, how, how's everyone doing? Here's where I'm at. Like this and this and this are going on right now. I've really been feeling a bit low and just, you know, maybe a little bit less you know, attentive than I normally would be. So, you know, sorry if I've been a little off this week and then they might share too, like, Oh, this is what's going on with me. Or, you know, I'm actually really great, but let us know if you need anything. And so it's a really supportive environment where I 
think they are very open about what's going on in their lives. You know, they might not share every detail, but it's enough to know if they're having some challenges. And I, I think it's been very helpful for them to feel like they can say that because I'm not going to judge them. I'm not going to think like, you know, wow, can't you get your stuff together? Because obviously, you know, I'm, I'm dealing with some stuff too. So I get it. I understand. Yeah. So I'm curious, uh, at Relias, were you guys brick and mortar pre-pandemic and yes. kind of where are you today? We were brick and mortar. Uh, we are hybrid right now. So we uh, started going back, gosh, probably last year, we started kind of going in. If you were vaccinated, we were doing it in phases. And so now we are, are able to go back in, but it's a hybrid opportunity. So if you want to work from home, fantastic. You know, want to come in, great. There are certain meetings that are in office that we need to be there for, especially in leadership, because we will do whiteboard sessions and some discussions. So there are certain things that we have to come in for, but typically, like obviously right now I'm at home. And so it's kind of up to you on what works for your schedule, which I think has been really fantastic and people are loving it because it does give them more flexibility to be, you know, at home or not having to commute or take your kids to soccer or whatever it might be. So I think people are loving that. Yeah. I wonder if that, uh, arrangement and, and w whether it's uh, people being all work from home or in a hybrid, if there is uh, number one, uh, just a general mental health benefit to maybe not having to come into the office or the opposite. And number two, does that make it more challenging for you to engage with people and have those kinds of conversations that um, maybe would have been easier when you're seeing some person every day and picking up on little things that maybe are harder to pick up when you're not physically seeing them every day? Yeah, that's, that's are two really good questions. Um, so question one, uh, honestly, I think it can go both ways. So if you, we've heard a lot from folks who either have disabilities or neurodiverse who actually feel more comfortable and safer working from home. And so for them, it's, it benefits mental health to stay at home and not really have to come into the office. For some folks who are very extroverted, not me, but for those who are extroverted, you know, they love going into the office to see people and network and have lunch and just, you know, chit chat, especially if they've lived by themselves, you know, folks who have families, a lot of folks with families obviously love their families, but we're also excited to come back to the office because working with your spouse and your kids and your dogs, it's a little chaotic. So they were for some excited to be able to come in. And for some who, you know, live alone for the last two years, they were very ready to come in and just see other people because, you know, it's just been them in four walls for however long. So, you know, it's, I think it goes both ways. And that's why I think the hybrid opportunity is, is fantastic because if you want to go in, you can, if you don't want to, you don't have to, you know, it, it kind of best of both worlds. So it fits employees where they're at. Um, question two, how, you know, does that work for leadership? It does make it challenging, uh, especially for, you know, I think in contact centers. So we talked about, you know, other teams, typically they are a little bit more tenured. They're a little bit more stable. If I knew you and had you on my team before, you know, the, the pandemic, I still know you now and I can read you through the screen and understand, you know, different nuances. If I just hired you six months ago and all I know is through this, 
it's going to be a little bit harder for me to pick up on, on things because, you know, maybe you're just turning it on for those 30 minutes, you know, or an hour. And then after you're like, oh, and I wouldn't know that because you didn't do that on camera, yeah. you know? So it, it does make it more difficult, I think, to build rapport with brand new folks and for them to know, you know, us as, as managers and leaders, uh, I do a lot of skip level meetings and, you know, a lot of folks are, are nervous because of the title. And to me, I'm like, I'm just Erica. I'm just a, a person, you know, wearing basketball shorts, you know, typically at home, I'm not fancy. I've got four dogs sitting around me. Like, I'm just, I'm just me. But when I think back, if a VP had said, Hey, let's have a meeting just one-on-one, -on -one, I probably would have been very nervous and anxious about that meeting. And so I forget that that's, you know, how they perceive it. So just trying to keep in mind, the more we can see them and talk to them and expose ourselves to them, it helps them to know like that we are humans and that we're just regular people who might have, you know, fancier titles, you know, manager, director, whatnot, but you know, that we're just regular, you know, old Joe's just doing our thing. So yes, I think it's a little bit harder, but I don't think it's impossible. I feel like we've tried to do a really good job of just getting to know folks as much as possible, you know, with the constraints that we've had. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about some very specific strategies and things that that we can do to engage with people. So uh, let's just start. If I'm a manager or a team leader and I've got my my team, right? What are some things that you found that work for you or that you've heard about that you go, gosh, that's a really great idea. That is a way to just kind of engage people and either start a conversation or deal with uh, some mental health challenges that are going on right now. Yeah, that's a challenging situation because it's Again, I feel like I'm the least helpful guest you might have because like, well, there's not really a great one, you know, one off <laughs> answer for this. It's it depends on each person that you're working with. You know, some folks might open, you know, as soon as you say, hey, how are you doing? And they're like, thank God you asked and just, you know, vomit all of their thoughts. And some people after years might just be like, yep, things were good. I had a good weekend. You know, So it's it depends on the individuals that you're working with. But typically sharing a little bit about yourself. So again, you don't have to go out and lay out your deepest, darkest secrets to people, but just telling them a little bit about, you know, like my wife or my, my pets or things that I did this weekend, or, you know, I tell them openly about mistakes that I make at work. If I, you know, drop the ball on something, or if I learned something new that I wasn't aware of, you know, I always try to share that with them to also show that it's okay to make mistakes or to not know something. So if someone asks me a question, I'm like, that's a really good question. I don't know. Let's talk to so-and-so because I want them to know they don't have to know everything as well. And so I think some of that stuff just builds up to less pressure, you know, okay, that's yeah. just a person. They don't know everything. They're not perfect. I don't have to be perfect. And then I can start sharing a little bit about my details and things I got into. And then it just builds where you start having more and more communication about things. And so you start like, oh, well, well, you know, what did you and your your boyfriend get into this weekend? And, you know, just, it starts to accrue over time. So really just sharing a little bit, you know, with where you're comfortable, but just starting small and, and building on that is a really good way to do it. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Right. I mean, part of what you're talking about is just building trust and part of it, building trust is 
is being a little bit vulnerable and allowing people to see you as that person, just like what you're talking about. So that they can see past the title mm-hmm. and see you as the person that you are. That right. helps a lot when we can make that connection as a human. Um, one of the things that I've found uh, interesting over the last uh, a little over a year since I've been doing the podcast. Um, and, and I see this, uh, people go different ways about this and I understand the reasons that they go different ways about this. And I understand too, that it can cut both ways, but as you can see, I've got some things in the background here. Uh, and a lot of those things spark conversations. And I know people automatically know some things about me because of what they see in the background. Mm -hmm. And I see a lot of people will hop on meetings and they'll, you know, use a a blur or a fake background, which doesn't really, it can if they've chosen it very specifically because they really like it. And maybe it shows a little bit bit of personality. And I recognize that some people don't want people to see what's behind them. Maybe their workspace is not uh, comfortable to them and, and they don't want people to see what's behind them. But I think as a leader, if if we can kind of let our personality come through, even if we're communicating virtually, that that helps break down some barriers so that we can start to have, you know, conversations as people, as opposed to uh, this title talking to this title. Yes. No, that's a huge point. And I, and actually, I love the stuff in your background. It's super cool. Well, thanks. I... I love it too. That's why I keep it there because <laughs> uh, it makes me happy uh, when I when I see it back there. So I'm curious. Um, this uh, journey you talked about moving um, from Pennsylvania to mm-hmm. to North Carolina. It sounds like there's been a lot. Uh, for you. You've talked about multiple diagnoses. What's been the most helpful thing for you, not not necessarily for work, but to kind of get in front of some of your challenges that has helped you be successful just in life? Hmm. What works for Erica? That's, let me think about that. Well, honestly, the first answer is going to be medication. If I'm just being honest, like that, that has helped drastically. So, so admitting that you are struggling with something and going to the doctor, talking about it and, and trying different things. Medication's not for everybody, but for those that it is for, it's very, very helpful. And for me, it is definitely, it is life-saving. So that was a huge one is just admitting that I was struggling with something that was not something I could control and getting help for that. But um, most days now, since I've been on you know medication for a while, it's, I feel good most days. You know, I have some off days, but typically for those, I will just kind of regroup. You know, I spend time with, I'm a huge animal lover, you know, a big fan of dogs. And so I, we have four of them and I spend some time with my dogs because they always make me feel, you know, happy and loved. Um, I talk about my thoughts, you know, with my wife. And typically for me, I need some time to process them first before I I can't just come out and talk about it. I need to think through like what's going on. And then 
then explain it and talk through it. And that's been really helpful because it just gets it out of my head. So, you know, I used to do journaling. Uh, I think that's super helpful for folks because if you just live with those thoughts for too long, they don't have anywhere to go and they just build up and swirl. And so if you either get them out through, you know, screaming, talking to somebody, journaling, you know, arts, whatever it is that works for you, it just, I don't know, it feels like a release of just, okay, well now that's, it's gone. And then, you know, just trying to avoid anything that might be a trigger, you know, and that's going to be unique to each person, but, you know, I try to stay around people and things that I enjoy that make me happy that don't, you know, bring me down or cause a lot of undue stress. But, you know, I think that's probably the big key things that I've been doing now since, you know, I've been pretty leveled off for a while. So I don't have like any major things I need to do. I used to go to, to counseling and therapy. I haven't had to do that for several years, but I'm a huge proponent of it. It just when I need it, I will go, but typically don't really need to. So, you know, that's things, some tools I've had in my tool belt over the years that, you know, gathering a little dust now, but they're still there if I need them, you know, and I know that they're, they're valuable if I, if I get to that point. Yeah. I think it is critical that people recognize that there, there are tools out there. There is help. And if you, just rely on on yourself uh that's potentially going to be a big struggle because um we're we're all human and and man when you get stuck inside in your head and you don't have anyone to bounce things off of or um anyone to um help guide you it can be really really difficult and if you start going down a, a bad path, it it becomes self-reinforcing. And yes. I think it's really critical that people recognize that, hey, if you don't want to talk to your manager or your supervisor or whatever, that's fine. Right, um, right. You you may not have a, a, an Erica that you can reach mm-hmm. out to. Um, but I certainly would encourage people to find someone that you can reach out to. And there are... Um, you know, free resources out there as well that people can take advantage of as well. Absolutely. And like you said, trying to depend on yourself when you're in that type of state, it's, it's almost impossible to just grit it out because, you know, depending on what you have going on, you know, for me, depression, it lies. It tells you things that aren't true. Like no one cares, you know, you're just being a burden. You'd be better off not being here. You know, there's just a lot of things that you start to think. And if you don't reach out and talk to somebody who's like, no, that's not true. Like we do care. We do want to help you. We do want to hear about it. You know, it, you just start to believe it. So it's, you know, the, the last person you should be counting on right now is you, because right now, like you're not in the best headspace. And that took a really long time for me to accept that, like my brain is trying to kill me because you naturally it should want to keep you alive. And so it just felt like it has to be something else. It's, you know, it can't be that. And so once I finally admitted like, no, I can't control this. It's not something a matter of just toughing it out. You know, if I can outstand, you know, withstand this, I'll be okay. Like it was exhausting. It was almost 25% because of the PMDD. It was 25% of my month was spent just trying to stay alive. And that's ridiculous when you think about it. And so finally just admitting and going to the doctor and saying, look, these are the thoughts I'm still having. I don't know why. And I started noticing the pattern and, you know, got diagnosed and got on another medication for that. Literally life-changing. 
and now I don't have to think about those things anymore. But yeah, it's just really hard when you can't count on your own brain and your own thoughts to get you through a difficult point. So it really is super important to reach out to a friend, a loved one, a therapist, somebody, anybody, like you said, doesn't have to be your boss. Cause I know not everyone is comfortable with that, or your boss might not be comfortable with that, but somebody, you know, reach out and get help because it is, it is worthwhile. You are worthwhile. Yeah, absolutely. So Erica, uh, what's the, the best thing in the last couple of days that brought a huge smile to your face? Honestly, on Sunday, I went for a really long hike with my wife and our dogs and took them off leash. We were out into some fields and things and they were running around and just very happy. And it was just a really peaceful day. It was very low key. We did some hiking. We watched some TV. We just had dinner. And it was, it was really unseasonably warm. So we were a little sweaty, which was not ideal, but it was just a really pretty day. And it was just really nice to kind of end the weekend and go into the week feeling recharged and just kind of connected. And we were talking about just a bunch of random things. It was just a really positive, I don't know. It just felt really good. It was a really positive day. I love that. I love that. Thank you so much for joining uh, next in queue today and sharing a little bit about your story, but really about um, spreading uh, the message that we can deal with mental health and we can make things better. And those of you that are out there struggling, uh, you're not alone. And it's it doesn't have to be something that um, impedes you from from living a great life. Absolutely. Thank you for having me and for wanting to talk about this. This was an awesome opportunity and I was just very excited to be able to do it. But thank you for being willing to discuss it. Next in Queue is brought to you by Happy To and is produced by me, Rob Dwyer. If you enjoy this podcast, please, by all means, subscribe and or rate this podcast in iTunes or your favorite podcast app. But more importantly, Please tell just one person about this podcast. Word of mouth is the best way for people to discover new content. As always, thanks for listening.